Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Good morning to you, too. Good morning, Matthew Collar. Hello, Matthew Collar. Hi, man. Football. Foot. So much football. Stefan Diggs will join to talk about football at 11 o'clock this morning. Uh, he joined us last year during training camp and uh, was a fun a fun get for us. So uh, you have been down in Mankato now for about a week, and you're back up here, obviously, because there isn't football today, which is sad. Very sad, yeah. Yep. You can find all of Matthew's work on 1500ESPN.com, Purple Podcast, and also uh, social media to Facebook.com slash 1500ESPN. So we had a brawl yesterday. What happened? Yeah, I, I guess. Laquan Treadwell and uh, was it Ant- who was the other guy? Uh, Anton Exum. Anton Exum, okay. Who's kind of a backup, but has played a little bit before two years ago, and he's fighting for a spot. Laquan Treadwell. L- literally, apparently. Yeah, right. Laquan Treadwell caught a touchdown, and then there was some trash talking between the two, and they got up, and they threw a couple of fists, and then that was it. If you're Laquan Treadwell... You should maybe refrain from trash talking after, like, practice drill touchdowns at this point. Just maybe lay low in that regard. Now, hold on a second, though. The video I saw, the the initial push, it looked like, uh, involved Thielen, though, as well. And then and then Laquan sort of got involved because Laquan I saw Laquan beat Exum for on, on actually a pretty nice catch mm-hmm. and then the next clip I saw Thielen sort of involved and Laquan gets back in, involved I mean this was pretty good yeah it looked like Thielen might have been trying to break it up a little bit but still also jawing with Anton yeah, Exum I think Exum might, is yeah. quite the talker but this is also two fights in two training camps for Laquan Treadwell. So maybe he's quick to fight guy. I don't know. But the news item coming from it is that Laquan Treadwell did not practice the rest of the day and then did not talk to the media after. Hmm, okay. Now I had a fear. Is this punishment or did he get hurt in the scuffle? Somehow? I think, well, I, I'm guessing he got hurt in the scuffle, but I don't know because well, he great. didn't talk to the media after. <laughs> And, of course, he waited 40 minutes or so to even walk off the field, hoping that the media would just disperse. (laughs) 
<laughs> not, not you, though. You sleep, actually, just outside the chain link fence of the practice field. Actually, I had a feeling that he wasn't going to talk, and if he was, he wasn't going to say anything, so I left with Doogie. <laughs> 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 so, so you just got in the car with Doogie and I, I got the home? sense that that wasn't going anywhere, and it's like, okay. I mean, Exum talked and just kind of apologized for the fight, whatever. I mean... This is not really a story that I'm interested in, a camp fight. It's really cliche. It is funny how guys just just trying to ramp up uh, competitiveness here. Right. The guys just sort of black out for a moment and forget that they're actually teammates and they don't need to be put in in about two months. If you're both on the team still, you're going to be buddies and scheming together and teammates. In Ticey's days, he, he encouraged it. Tice loved it. He's like, and everyone get involved. Terrence, so he, so yeah. he would he would like actively he promote camp fights, or what would he, he do? Break them up. Well, if they started the old school uh, camp fights, used to be two guys would start to fight, and guys would would come in to break up the fight. But in actuality, they, they would make things worse. And pretty soon, it'd be an all uh, just a free for all. And guys like Tice, are like, oh, okay, I guess this is you know he didn't. Care. I think you should circle around, and whoever loses the fight is off the roster. You, if you want to have a camp fight, this is it right here. The stakes are going to be high. All right, Collar, running back. What is going on And w- with that position? And also, I saw an interesting note from you that Dalvin Cook has been lining up in the slot at times. Uh, even sent out wide from time well, to time. How about that? Yeah, and he did that at Florida State, too. I don't know if they're just trying to show something a little bit in camp to give people the idea that he could line up as a wide receiver or if they'd really do it, but he's got a talent for that. And that's one of the reasons that he was rated right up there with guys who were thought to be immediate superstar running backs in Leonard Fournette and uh, Christian McCaffrey. That he was that that was the big three, and the fact that the Vikings ended up with him with a second round pick is still kind of amazing. And when you watch him out there, this is a first round talented player and the best running back of all time at Florida State. I mean, he set all sorts of records. His yards per carry was right up there with Warwick Dunn. Man. I mean, this is a player who is so good, he could become the centerpiece of the offense. I think what we were concerned about was whether he would get himself in trouble in his first six-week period between minicamp and training camp and not a peep from Delvin Cook. And I asked Cook this the other day, just how it's going, like transitioning from college to being an NFL player. And the first thing he talked about was how much guys like Xavier Rhodes and Terrence Newman have talked with him and how much he's tried to learn from those two guys. Might be lip service, but if there are two guys to talk to about transitioning into the NFL, it's Terrence Newman and Xavier Rhodes. Yeah, you know, so you brought up Warwick Dunn, which is a really... So, uh, Delvin Cook is a bigger guy. He's probably an inch or two taller and maybe 20 or 30 pounds. Warwick Dunn was a very slight running back, but... If if Dalvin Cook could be sort of the dual threat that Warwick Dunn was with the Tampa Bay Bucks in the late nineties, early two thousands, I just pulled up Warwick Dunn just for fun to go back. And he was uh, he wasn't the Bell Cow three hundred carries guy, but I don't think that's what an NFL running back really mm-hmm. is anymore, anyways. Right. So if you're Dalvin Cook, if you can put up a thousand yards rushing and five hundred yards receiving on a regular basis like Warwick Dunn did, I mean, that would I think we would all take that, right? If he became kind of a better version of Warwick Dunn, that would be a steal for the Vikings in the second round. I think the ceiling on him is that he becomes even as good as someone like Le'Veon Bell, who, who is probably the best in the league. But I think that's the ceiling on Delvin Cook is being one of the top five all-around running backs in the league like LaShawn McCoy or Cook or, or David Johnson, who also is a guy that they can line up in the slot. I've been really impressed with what I've seen so far. And the fact that they were willing in practice to open up the backfield and send him out wide, 
I like the thought of that because he can burn. There's a play that I remember from one of their bigger games, just watching the tape, where they sent him on a go route and he just burned the corner and caught the ball 30, 40 yards down the field. At Florida State. At Florida State. Okay. Uh, he hasn't done that. They haven't targeted him yet when they've lined him up out there. And All maybe right. it's just is something that they're going to show. But I, I think I get the impression from what Sam Bradford has said and watching what they've done that the idea is to focus on these running backs. And, <laughs> I mean, lately it's been Bishop Sankey because uh, Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon have been playing. But the- I forgot that Bishop Sankey was on the training camp. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, That's yeah. right. Yeah. He's getting That's, first he game got, reps he got right some now. Run. He started for the Titans like, three years ago or something. He did, and he really wasn't that bad. It's kind yeah. of surprising that they picked him up last year and had him on the practice squad. But, uh, but yeah, he's been mixing in. I wouldn't expect unless someone is still hurt for him to be on the roster. Maybe he makes it if they don't decide to keep C.J. Ham. But if, if everybody is healthy back there, there are a lot of different options. And Sam Bradford mentioned Pat Shermer taking things from Chip Kelly when he was in Philadelphia that he wants to implement now, which if you look at that team in 2015, they threw to the running backs 112 times between the three running backs. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if this year these three clear over 100 catches and then end up running for 1,500 and 200 yards too. Think about that. This franchise, which has, which basically has not felt comfortable consistently throwing to a, a running back in how long now? Probably Chester Taylor. If you start to, to do that. By the way, what's wrong with McKinnon? Because he got hurt the same day as Reef uh, last Thursday, and the Reef injury has been a big deal. McKinnon's been brought up, but is this something that there's some concern about, or is this just some short-term? No, I think it's short-term because he, he was he was back out there yesterday. Okay, so, so he should good. be fine, but he hasn't been a whole lot. He wasn't practicing, but he was in the walkthrough. He was in pads, so okay. I think he'll be all right. Assuming Latavius Murray comes back healthy, who gets goal line and short yardage? Who, who scores touchdowns out of the Vikings' backfield this I season? I hope they throw it at the goal line. I mean, it's, unless it's the Super Bowl and Marshawn Lynch is your running back, if you have Sam Bradford... Still, this offensive line should be better, but at least the way they ran last year was the most archaic way to do it, and it was extremely ineffective. Put in the eye form, throw in the fullback, stuff everybody together, and you got a tight end who can't block and a backup center, and and then they just get blasted by the other team. And then then they wonder why that happens. No, we need to be tougher. It's like, no, just like be smarter. Be smarter. Don't (laughs) be tougher. At the goal line yesterday, they were running quite a few pass plays, and some of them were dump offs to running backs out of the backfield. And I I think which is a great move. I think that's the way to go. That's good. Yeah. The other thing is too, you'll see we don't think of Sam Bradford as a quarterback because he's really not but he does have a talent for throwing on the run so they can do things where they move the offensive line and have everybody kind of flood one side of the field at the goal line and have Sam Bradford roll out because he's pretty much just as accurate when he's rolling out as he is when he's standing in the like, pocket. He's so fragile looking and he has those like old school floppy sleeves that whenever he rolls out, you're right that he is pretty accurate on the run, but he always makes me cringe when he rolls out because he could take one crunch from a full speed <laughs> linebacker and be buried six feet beneath the turf. Odds are probably very strong that that he's not going to play all 16 games this year. After, I mean, if you look at his career trajectory for games played, and then you consider the fact that by an act of God, he actually didn't have to set out a game last year, I don't give him a real good chance of starting 16 this year. And I 
wouldn't really like having to play Case Keenum for very many games. I think it, it, the over-under for what could ruin your season is probably four. If Case Keenum plays four games, you might win two if you have really good defensive performances and great running games, but you're not winning any more than half of the games, and there's a good chance that you're winning less if he's got to play more than that. Watching him and Sam Bradford in camp, Sam Bradford is so talented. I mean, he has just an incredible incredible arm the throws that he makes on a consistent basis he launched one the other day down the field to Stefan Diggs Diggs was in double coverage against the first team so he's got Trey Wayans and Anderson Deho guarding him and Sam Bradford from about 50 yards away just drops it right in perfectly and then you watch the other two guys try to come out. Taylor Heineke, by the way, is struggling in the. the That's because he still has here. shards of That's, glass yeah. in his calf <laughs> muscle. For That's, God's so sake! If anybody was wondering, like, I wonder if Heineke <laughs> will still, rise up and steal the yeah, job. He still has nine staples in his foot from last camp. At this moment, that's a long shot. But if it, Case Keenum is not anywhere close to as talented as okay, let's go a little bit deeper. Let's do a few things in, in these last couple segments here. Let's. So I want. I want to get a, a Michael Floyd update from you. You've been able to watch him at camp a little bit, mostly with the the second teamers, and uh, we can dive a little more into the status of Latavius Murray, but. This is really the first time media and fans have been able to watch Sam Bradford regularly in practice because mm-hmm. he showed up after the Mankato in the public portions of camp last year. You got to see him in games, but that was you know, that's full speed, and, and, and you get to see him and sort of that raw talent. It's batting practice. You get to see how far mm-hmm. a guy can hit it yes. you know, before the game speeds up. Let's talk more about that and uh, other items. Matthew Collar, Vikings analyst, 1500ESPN.com. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. It's yet another in a long series of diversions in an attempt to avoid responsibility. On 1500 ESPN. I get you Matthew Collar is hanging out with us. Vikings off day at camp. Stefan Diggs will join us in about an hour and a half at 11 o'clock. Talk some ball. So we were just talking before that last break and during the break. I covered the Twins beat for four years or so. Spring training and you know most batting practice sessions you're there and you know, cover the team. And I swear to God, of the hundreds of hitters I've seen take batting practice, in my life, outside of like Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds, the obvious Hall of Fame guys, Delman Young was always one of the best batting practice hitters I've ever seen in my life. Now you're facing 70 mile an hour bullpen coach pitches, and you're supposed to hit the ball 500 feet, mm-hmm. and he did. And he showed up. I remember he showed up just like five percent body fat one year at spring training. It was just ripped and had a couple new tattoos, and and this might have been after his big 2010 season. And he's just hitting bombs all over the parking lots, all over spring training. But then when he get to a game, he's maybe had two viable seasons as a major leaguer. But he was a number one overall pick, supremely talented. And for whatever reason, couldn't take the batting practice. And, and he was fine in games. He wasn't a terrible player, but he never lived up to it. Now that you've seen Sam Bradford on a regular basis here at training camp, you've been able to see him sort of in the batting cage, so to speak. And, and fans and media didn't get to see that last year because he mm-hmm. showed up so late. What, what, what do you think, expand on it, and why the gap between how talented he is and the numbers and the production so far in his NFL career? I don't think that it's a gigantic gap between how he looks in practice and how, what he does in the game. 
what you see in practice is the guy has an incredible arm and his deep ball is as good as anybody in the league. And you see that in the games too. Last year, he put up stats that were as good as anyone on yeah. deep ball as far as completion percentage when he was throwing downfield. The problem was that he didn't throw downfield that often. And that's one of the things that they've talked about trying to work on. Mike Zimmer, especially trying to work on with Sam Bradford, is telling him what defenses did last year to force him to check down. Now, we're talking about a guy who's been an NFL starting quarterback for seven years now or seven seasons. It's hard for me to believe that he's all of a sudden going to snap the fingers or Pat Shermer's going to make some change that will get rid of that immediate thing that goes off in his head that says, I got to get rid of it. I got to make sure yeah. that I check it down. There, a really interesting thing that uh, I did a recent podcast with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. And one of the things that we were talking about this might have been off the air, was how the pro football focus grades are made up, where they grade every single throw for a quarterback. And two quarterbacks might have the same grade, but made up of a lot of different types of throws. So where Ben Roethlisberger makes really good intermediate throws, where he's going to rip off 10 to 15 yards all the time, up and down the field, where Sam Bradford will throw a lot of checkdowns that get you almost nowhere, but then he will make so many incredible deep throws that they look like they have the same rating, right? Mm -hmm. But Roethlisberger's way of doing it ends up putting up more points, mm -hmm. being able to consistently get those 10, 15-yard chunks, especially on third down. I was going to say, got, it's better on yeah. third down. Is, yeah. yeah, exactly. Third down and seven, and you need to hit a 15-yard pass or whatever uh, to, to rip off a big chunk. That's what he's. Uh, that's what Roethlisberger's able to do that Bradford isn't, and that's where my holdup is on the conversation about how much better he can be. Is I don't know if that's going to change. I don't know if this Tiger's going to change his stripes just because that there's a little bit of a difference between uh, having Pat Shermer for a full year or having a couple other running backs. I think where the offense is going to be a lot better is just that there's more talent in the backfield now to use. Mm -hmm. So maybe when you dump it off, Delvin Cook does something special and rips off a 30-yard play that for most running backs might have been a, a two-yard loss so, or something like so that. So what, what's the most important thing here? Trust? I mean, what, what does Bradford need? Does Bradford need to trust the system and himself more? If he's going to take that step, because the physical attributes are there. So if he's going to take the step to become consistently um, more aggressive downfield and become the quarterback that you see in practice at times, and we did see it, it last year at times too. I mean, there were there were deep balls he threw where he looked great. But if you're going to see that on what amounts to a consistent basis, collar, what's the most important thing he's going to have to do? Trust around him, basically? Well, in order to be a top 10 quarterback, he's got to do something that I'm not sure is, okay, let's, is let's there. Okay, let's, yeah. let's say top but, half but of to the be, I mean, to, to, be, to top, be fair. To be what top, do you think he was last year? Like, I think he was the 12th, right 15th? In, right in the middle. I think okay. 15th to 17th would probably be fair. To win your approval. Okay, that's the question. To get your to get you to come in the studio on a weekly basis during this season and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm seeing some good th things here." Okay, instead of about, you pull back on him. How about to be the man? No, that's no? too okay, much. Okay. Well, no, okay, all right. We're trying to get college well, approval. Well, let's start. Let's start with to be the man. Let's start with. I got to bring Dave in for this. Yeah. If he's, yeah, if you're going to be the man, but if, if he was what going will it take to be, for Sam Bradford to be, be the, the man. man, if he was going <laughs> to be the man, I'm talking about competing for league MVP. He has the <laughs> right. he has the tools to do that. I am not kidding. He has the tools to do that. He would have to take a lot of risks that he is not 
ever been willing to take. I was looking back, uh, doing a piece on a contract extension for him, and looking back to even when he and Pat Shermer started working together as a rookie in St. Louis. And I'm looking over the numbers, and it's poor yards per attempt, not that many interceptions, lots of checkdowns, and the same thing ends up happening in Philadelphia. If he were willing to throw into double coverage, to go at guys, to believe in himself like Brett Favre believed in himself, or maybe just a little less than that, because that goes into <laughs> I was going If he were able to, that. instead it's of taking giants. a uh, you know a big giant gulp of Brett Favre, just take a swig of of Brett Favre. See, now and, I'm thinking of the Jen Sturger thing, and that just oh got weird. So I don't know where you're going. You know here. what I mean? All right, let's, get take, let's get back. Let's get back. Take ten percent of Brett Favre's crazy. Yeah. Then Sam Bradford could be up in that top five, top ten type category. For him to get this team into the playoffs is a different conversation. Because I think he just has to do his job, occasionally make big throws, and rely a lot on those running backs. And just execute the offense properly and hope the defense is what it has been for the last two years. And then you're in the playoffs. Okay, let me ask you this. I love the way you put it. That Just take 10% of Brett Favre's crazy. Don't take 100% of it. Don't take... Don't take uh, out route in overtime of the 2007 NFC Championship game crazy. Just take some crazy. I- am I right in saying that even though people compare Sam Bradford and Alex Smith to each other because they're conservative, they're low yards per attempt, they don't throw interceptions, they're just they're just close to the vest. They only play if it was a poker table. They're only playing like Ace King and Kings. <laughs> they're not going to get wild with a Jack Ten suited. That Sam Bradford has the physical tools if he were to add 10% crazy to his game. Maybe he throws five more interceptions, but maybe he converts more on third down. Alex Smith doesn't have as much of that. The glass ceiling is much lower for Alex Smith than for Sam Bradford. Which is why people still look at Sam Bradford and say, yeah, I know what his numbers have been so far, but I think they could be even better. Where Alex Smith, you go, Andy Reid, you're a genius Mm -hmm. how did you get this much out of alex smith and you don't have to watch a ton to figure this out i mean there are routes uh that alex smith throws that are just like three yard stop routes where a guy just takes a couple of steps and he's supposed to stop and the ball is on time where alex smith throws it in the dirt or where a guy is supposed to you know go route and he's throwing it into the stands basically Mm -hmm. i don't think that alex smith has the same kind of arm talent that sam bradford has and that's why I think a lot of people would say, yeah, if he's got the weapons, if he's got the protection, if he can execute the offense, he can be one of the better quarterbacks. You could talk yourself into it, but like you said with Delvin Young, or uh, Delman Young, mm-hmm. guys kind of are who they are still, right? I mean, asking a guy at 30 years old to somehow click Brett Favre into his brain a yeah. little bit from time to time. I agree that's tough. That is a, that's, that's a big okay. ask. Okay, that's tough, but but how doable is this? Since they've given Bradford probably uh, the most components that he's been around since he, he was drafted by the Rams, and since this offense is going to be entirely suited towards him, and it's basically drawn up by a guy who's his buddy, how much does this have to do with Sam Bradford could have an excellent year if he can simply execute the offense without even going outside that much of who he is, given everything around 
him is now all about we're trying to make you successful. Yeah, I think that's all you can ask from him is stay healthy for one. Last year he stayed healthy the whole way, which I thought was a miracle considering that TJ Clemmings was playing left tackle. If he can stay healthy again, because he does have the uh, history of injuries, though they're usually major (laughs) injuries, it's not like he's one of those guys that's always got a ding or a cut. It's been the ACLs and things like that. So you have to hope that that doesn't happen or Case Keenum is taking your season right down. Uh, But if he's healthy for 100% of the season and you run the way I think they'll be able to run, because not only do they have more talent in the backfield, they also have way more talent up front when it comes to run blocking. I've been working on a piece about Pat Elfline that'll come out uh, at some point here and just what a good run blocker he is. And then Riley Reef and Mike Remmers, uh, the same thing. That's where they excel. I think you're talking about being a majorly better offense just because of that. Even though running is still an ineffective offensive strategy if you're trying to build around it, if you're the worst in the league, you're leaving points on the table uh, because of that. So yeah, I think if he can just execute the offense, make a couple of big plays, use Stefan Diggs a lot in his ability to run after the catch, and a lot of guys' ability to run after the catch. In this case, a short passing offense could be could be really quite good. Yeah. I mean, even when you look at the number of deep balls that Sam Bradford threw last year, Tom Brady threw about the same number of deep balls as Sam Bradford last year, but he executed the short passing offense and the intermediate much, much better than Bradford did. I think the intermediate is where he's really got to improve. That if there's, if it's third and seven and a guy is running, uh, I don't know, from the slot, a post route that's going to go 10 yards and it's a tight window, this is a quarterback who can fit it into that tight window. But last year, he just elected not to. Uh, time and time again, when I would look back at those third downs for work I did this offseason, the, the, it was covered. It was definitely covered. But this is a guy who can make that throw. He needs like uh like Tinkerbell Julia Roberts in hook, but <laughs> but like Brett Favre to be Tinkerbell. Just whispering, throw it, thread the needle, thread the needle, it's digs. Brett make Favre and Tinkerbell yeah. just made their way into the same sentence. <laughs> wow. King of metaphors. You know, right here. Sam Bradford would have checked it down to Bernard Berrien. Insane. Wow. That cuts deep. <laughs> that cuts really, really deep. Yeah, that was not nice. Give us a Bye. Michael Floyd update when we come back here. You've watched him in practice, and if we have time to get to Latavius Murray's status, we can do that too, Mackie and Judd. caller. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Well, obviously. On 1500 ESPN. Matthew Collar, what have you seen from Michael Floyd so far? Training camp? <laughs> Michael Floyd has been working out with the second team because he's going to be suspended for the first four games, so they Makes want sense. to give Laquan Treadwell all the first-team reps. Mm-hmm. And he has just embarrassed second-teamers. Well, that's good. I mean, he, he has made he fools of second-teamers. These poor guys. There's a couple of guys who are like, I did a story on uh, Terrell Sinkfield <laughs> and Trey Roberson who are transitioning from other positions to cornerback. And it's just not right to have a star wide receiver like Michael Floyd going up against them. He is super talented. Anything they throw his way, he can catch. He can make plays that as soon as the ball is thrown, you think like, ah, there's no way that he's going to be able to get to that and stop on a dime and contort his body. He's got great hands. I mean, he's a guy that's had drops in the past, but anytime you have deep wide receivers, they're going to have more drops 
right? I mean, that's just makes, yeah. I don't have to explain that, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, when it comes to Floyd, any throws that aren't 45-yard bombs, he doesn't have that many drops because he's got really good hands. And you can see why he was a star-wide receiver with the Arizona Cardinals and what type of impact he could have as long as this goes the way it should go. Because no more tea, you mean? Really, no more no tea. No more kombucha is, is tea. Correct. No more trouble for him, and he could as soon as he comes back. And I think he got off pretty easy with a four-game yeah. suspension. I think Roger Goodell could have gone eight from him. Looking at the CBA going through that, I think Goodell would have had a case to go eight games, and that would have been really tough for the Vikings. But missing the first quarter of the season, if he comes back, now Laquan Treadwell will have his chance to prove himself. But as I've been watching these two wide receivers in camp, I don't think there's any question that Michael Floyd is a better wide receiver yeah. than Laquan Treadwell. So when he comes back, I think there's a good chance that he's just got that job. So what does the potential dynamic, though, of Floyd as a downfield threat do? Because I, I would take it in the first four games, you're going to you're going to sort of have to spot that around. I mean, there's some guys that, that can go deep. I don't know if someone can do it consistently. But if you can get through those first four games, which are pretty tough games, in decent shape, all of a sudden in Game 5, you probably have a downfield threat that didn't exist for the first quarter of the season. I think what you hope is that it opens intermediate routes for Adam Thielen to go 10 to 12 yards down the field and catch, run after catch, and stuff underneath for Stephon Diggs, that it does the whole take the top off the defense and to have a guy who's a legitimate threat, sometimes you'll hear that with someone who's just real fast. They're like, oh, yeah, they're going to be real worried about but they could stick one guy on him. Troy Williamson. I, I think. Troy Williamson. Actually, they just let him run free. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a, a great clip against Denver in like, two, like 10 it's years his, ago. It's his last game. Where he's literally running free on a blown assignment. And, and this is. It's like chariots of fire. The the, the game slowed down. Tavares Jackson throws a pass that he never would throw again in his life. It was perfect. It was right Runs in right under it hands. and puts his hands up, looks over his shoulder, ball hits him on the top <laughs> yes. of the head. Bounces off and he never plays for the Vikings again after that. Actually, and I believe later in that game, because he played the rest of the game, he also dropped a third down and nine pass over the middle, just pass. right off the numbers, yeah. and then walked off All the field on YouTube. in shame. Glorious now to yeah. watch. Catching bad. is uh, a hard yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not that easy. But, I, I mean, I think he could bring some serious value to the offense. Even if he's not doing that and he's catching balls uh, in the red zone, he is a powerful guy, and he is really tough to cover. One of my favorite things at camp, if anybody gets a chance to go down, is when the cornerbacks and wide receivers go one-on-one. It's just them. It's just one-on-one with a quarterback throwing them the ball, and you get to see everybody's talent on display there. And Michael Floyd has stuck out every single day, every single day in team drills. Uh, Case Keenum has been throwing some wild footballs out there, and he's making very difficult catches. He's a really talented player. It's just, can he stay on the straight and narrow through this time where he's suspended? I think that's important to ask. And also... Is he 100% back to what he was? Because last year is his worst year in the NFL. Yeah. And the Patriots decided they didn't even want to play him when I, they got I, to see, the Super Bowl. I guess Bowl. I view him as, he. first of all, he, he was a former first-round pick. And so whatever whatever thoughts or aspirations teams had for him, the Cardinals, I put all that away. If he can just be a red zone target, I've seen some of the videos of him just abusing these second yeah. these second string defensive backs in the red zone. If he can just be a red zone target and that's it, it's an addition to this team. Yeah, even if he's not running 30, 40 yards down the field a lot. But I think that he will. I, I mean, with Sam Bradford's ability to throw the deep ball, I mean, this is where 
with this offense, you can talk yourself into them being quite a bit better. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be Atlanta from last year, or the New England Patriots? No, but if everything goes the right way, then I think you're talking about maybe flirting with a top 10 spot. The problem is just through those first four games, is Laquan Treadwell going to play? Is he going to be any sort of factor? I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way. If he was some sort of factor in the offense or if they just had to go other directions. David Morgan's been playing a lot. Maybe they go with two tight end sets so they can block for Sam Bradford better. Jerry's right. I don't think Jerry's right as a factor at all. Doesn't uh, make here. the team? No. I don't know if he may. He I might think, make the team. I think uh-huh. Collar nailed it the minute he stepped foot in Minnesota for like three days last year. And he goes, why does everyone talk about Jerry's right <laughs> around here? He's yeah. the fourth string wide receiver. Hey, what in 10 seconds, what can people find on 1500ESPN.com today? Uh, all sorts of stuff. Podcasts and uh, who's behind Laquan Treadwell? Basically, if Laquan Treadwell doesn't come through in the preseason, mm-hmm. who's next up? Okay. It's my Mr. Mankato. Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com and the Purple Podcast. We've got Stefan Diggs in about an hour from now. Dan Gladden on Twins trade deadline stuff from yesterday in an hour and a half. But a pecking order next. This holiday, whether you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup. So you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone.